And now, rate that album, season three, with Paul Muadib and Joe Fremming, two guys who know stuff. Hi, and welcome to Rate That Album, the back and forth podcast album review uh, with myself, Paul Muadib, and my good friend, Joe Fremming. Joe, how you doing today, buddy? Well, Paul, I was down in Hollywood trying to respect myself, but then what I ate for lunch was coming right up. Was it in front of the Youngbloods? Oh, it was more under the boardwalk. Right, I was spotted by a secret agent, man. Yeah, yeah, I was worried about that. There was no um, jackpot during that fun time, man. I felt like I lost, was going to lose myself, flirting with disaster, but... The re- Bruno returned, Paul. Bruno returned, yeah, absolutely. Did you get the jackpot then? Oh God, Bruno's bop. Alright, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Our grand return, Paul. Our grand return after a, a three-week hiatus, and you, your crippling addiction to white people music struck again. <laughs> okay, hey, well, first of all, you, you know this was released on Motown Records, sir, so you can't blame me. Paul, you Paul, that's like it's like people like conservatives saying, "Well, the Democrats started the KKK." I mean, it doesn't excuse <laughs> things hey, listen, change. All right, God, they didn't really change that much in the eighties. Um, yeah, yes, we are doing Bruce Willis, aka uh, Bruno. What is his last name? He calls himself. Um, I did not watch. I left the research to you, Paul. Oh, you didn't watch the one. Okay. Nope, I was going to, but uh, I had to respect myself, Paul. Okay. I had to respect myself. It was Bruno Randolini. Okay. Yes. Um, Let's dig into just Bruce in general. Um, Let's start off with Bruce because... (laughs) Yeah, let's start off with Bruce. I'd rather get the good stuff out of the way before we start punching down on a guy suffering from a cognitive disease mm-hmm. yeah i mean bruce willis um storied i mean career um love or hate him the guy has put out some bangers of a movie i would uh, argue he's actually even a good actor yeah he put he did like when he was young and hungry man his performances on moonlighting mm-hmm. uh, first Die Hard movie Pulp mm-hmm. Fiction, Pulp Fiction yep. for sure. Really Pulp Fiction for up. sure. Yes. Uh, Twelve Monkeys. Oh, he was so good in Twelve Monkeys. Even yeah, Six like Sense. He, Even Six Sense. He was great in Six Sense. Yeah. So, like, I I think his last last half of his career, unfortunately, especially right now, mm-hmm. is right now was because that's what most people are more more aware of. I think history is going to be a lot more kind. Than it yes. is right now to Bruce Willis's career because he was fucking fantastic. He was. He, he was. even took. He even took uh, risks. Hudson Hawk. Yeah, wasn't Hudson a Hawk. huge hit, but man, a musical by Bruce Willis, like fucking. Yes, yes. Hudson Hawk um, was uh, was a great one. Um, he did what was it? Uh, Color of Night, which was another risky choice. Uh, he's talking. He, he went into the family fair movie stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, he did a voice in Beavis and Butthead to America. 
Yeah, but as then wife too, Demi Moore. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Um, we, you know, he was in Armageddon, which that's where I think people start to notice the fall, like the Jackal, Armageddon. Then he did the Fifth Element, which kind of redeemed him, I think, a little bit. Sixth Sense. Yeah. Um, he was uh, at a small re- reoccur- reoccurring character in Friends um, in the 2000s. Unbreakable was a great movie. Um, I never saw it. Oh, so good. Um, Hearts War was, I think, then started to go down again because then you had Charlie's Angels and the whole 10 yards. But then he came back with Sin City, which was a great movie. Yeah, the first one. Yep, the first one. And then he was in Lucky Number 11, which was a good movie. Yeah, Um, but then he kind of started relying on John McClane. Yes. The last half of the early 2000s. So it was like the Die Hard sequels was... Easy bread and butter for them, man. Yep, yep. But they, that, the thing with those movies, they lost the magic of what made the first. I'd argue the first three, I think, are fantastic. Oh yeah, even Die Hard Two, where he's fat. Yep. <laughs> you know, he obviously yep. didn't want to lose weight, <laughs> mm-hmm. so they put him in a bulky sweater through the whole thing. Yeah, hundred percent. And then um, I bumped the mic, so it's probably gonna pop. But um, I will say he came back again. He was in Moonrise Moonrise Kingdom, which I loved, 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 loved him in that. And um, the Expendables movies, you know, those were popcorn, stupid, whatever. I really think it was around, and this is where I think you have started to see the the, the decline was around death wish like i think glass was his last great movie um but then again that was relying on past movies yes 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 that was relying on past movies he did try to do the new death wish in 2018 so but um, at that point like but we also like he was also doing in 2018 i think a little bit before he was doing a lot of straight to Yes. Red box. Well, that came out. Yes. Brown, people are, don't I think now people realize what he was doing is I, I don't know how long they he knew he had this uh, disease. But I think once you started seeing his multiple, multiple rated red, red box where he was making a million dollars just for showing up for like three days of shooting or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. That's when he started padding his bank account. Because yes. he knew he wasn't going to be working. So. Yes, as a matter of fact, this was something prior when all these movies came out, and I was like, oh, man, Bruce Willis is on this tear. I went to IMDb one day with my buddy, and we were looking at, like, oh, he was supposed to be doing uh, 11 movies um, this year, and he had movies slated for 2000. He had, like, another nine slated for 2023. Um, So I actually looked into this. So the director of Out of Death, Mike Burns, wrote in a June 2020 email um, to the film screenwriter, we need to abbreviate his dialogue a bit so there's no monologues, etc. In 2019, there apparently was an incident on a film where... He was supposed to fire a, a blank gun. He was doing it on, on the, for um, Hard Kill. Um... Then we are killed. There was problems with him on firing um, a a gun with blanks on uh, a particular set or a scene. 
and there was some other issues with um, words and uh, yeah. dialogue. As so movies, as these movies kept were going along, his uh, speaking mm-hmm. moments mm-hmm. were drastically cut shorter and shorter. And there was a lot of like red letter media covered this. Yes. <clears throat> I think uh, I think it was their video that kind of floodgated things to for them to like his family would be like, okay, this is what's going on because they did uh, their hour long thing video yep. about his movies and they brought up the speculation that that was floating around Hollywood and you know and a couple of schmucks from Wisconsin yep are talking about this then it, it the the cat's out of the bag well and it sounds like it's been going on now that they knew for at least 4 years yeah. according to this director the problem with aphasia is that it is a progressive disease yeah so four years in that realm from what I was looking up, and again, I'm I'm armed, I'm obviously armchairing this shit. Yeah. Um I think if Bruce Willis could have pumped out another couple of movies, he would have. Yeah, I it, yeah, I'm sure it got to it just to a point where it just didn't work. And it, it's, yeah. it's it's sad. It's sad because he is uh, he's done some of my favorite movies. Hundred percent. Hundred percent, and I think it's also very telling that he has not come out or said anything, and that rumor the daughter yeah, has been daughter. posting like photos with them together a lot. Um, I again, it affects the speaking portion of the brain uh, immensely. I would doubt that he's even having conversations at this point, which is really, really sad. If anything, if, I, I don't know how he'd be communicating. Maybe if he is or whatnot, who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Smith buried the hatchet. They had a, you know, their big falling out, infamous with cop out, and he did his little uh, Instagram video. Yeah, apparently, uh, rumor showed that to Bruce, and Bruce was like, you know, had her reach out to his people, like you know, <laughs> it's just like you know that shit happens. But he had so much respect for Smith. Yeah, my understanding was was that he wasn't upset. Like he didn't understand what the problem was. Bruce Willis didn't. Yeah, that was uh, kind of what I got too. Like it was just yeah. it it almost was almost from Kevin's point of view. Mm-hmm. Like Bruce was like, "What?" Yeah, Bruce was like, "I didn't know what I did to piss this guy off so bad." I yeah, that's that's well, what I got from it too. Yeah. So, but yeah. So, you know, it's sad, but like you know. You and I could be celebrating something great Bruce did, but unfortunately the Joe down has already covered <laughs> a lot of his great movies. So you're decided to kick it, kick the dirt at him with return of Bruno, Paul. Yes. Uh, you're so a let's talk, son of a uh, bitch, Paul. <laughs> well, let's, let's go back. Let's Bruce talk about, should kick your ass. For this. <laughs> now, hang on. No, let's talk about, let's talk about um, Bruce Willis's, career um in terms of singing um let's go back to the year of 1987 six years old we were about six years old and and that's when this album came out well a year earlier in 1986 bruce willis became the celebrity spokesperson for seagram's golden wine coolers and he it was a five million dollar contract back in 1980 
again, think about this. Bruce Willis, who was only on Moonlighting at the time, really, got a $5 million contract from he Seagram's was, Golden Wine Coolers. Which probably you remember, he was so char- charismatic. His character on Moonlighting was, you know, it caused the... From what I remember, it was an uproar because Sybil Shepherd was mad because he is kind of upstaging the whole thing. Because yes, yes, man she was supposed to be a star. Oozed, oozed yep. charisma. <laughs> he was. That's John McClane. Die Hard doesn't work if John McClane isn't Bruce Willis. You right. Can have, if you think of another actor in that role, it just really wouldn't work. No. No, it, the reason why the reason why John McClane worked was because he was the everyman. Yeah. He was just a dude. He wasn't. He wasn't he was a rip guy. He yeah. was just some guy who was like, fuck, okay. Yeah. Um, and that's that was the magic of that movie. Well, in this commercial, uh, he uh, he was actually in an ad with Sharon Stone back in 1986. So little connection there. Unfortunately, uh, in that in 1988, Bruce Willis realized he had a drinking problem um and left uh that job and decided to you know take care of his own thing but a lot of people forget too and again moonlighting which i i I don't understand what it is with some of these old shows that have a hard time getting streaming like i can watch all the murder she wrote if i wanted to on streaming um finally we got babylon 5 which i love but for whatever reason moonlighting has not made it to any type of network music rights is usually the number one thing that was the thing about the It finally hit HBO Max not too long ago, and I was finally able to see it. it was a Larry Sanders show? Oh yes, I love the Larry Sanders. Yeah, show. yeah, I, I'd never was able to see it because I would never it wasn't available for streaming, and they didn't want to use generic music. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, that was uh, that's usually the number one culprit. It was the same with like MTV's The State. Yeah, a lot of MTV shows really suffered from that. Uh, Beavis and Butthead. Yes, yes. Because I remember they when they released the Beavis and Butthead ones, they had to leave the music videos out, which they well, are. They sometimes put some of them in there. Sometimes they would get the rights. Yep. So it'd be okay. like you buy those DVD sets, all of a sudden there would be a video, but like most of the times there wasn't. Um. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And I know now that they actually are re-releasing all the ones with the original music videos. So that's awesome. Um. But getting back to Moonlighting, um. He was doing a lot of singing on the show. Uh, he uh, did a version of Dua Diddy. Uh, he did Good Lovin'. Um, so, and like, basically in every season, uh, he would do that. And it was actually throughout one of the, one of his things in the show where he would break out in the song to annoy Sybil Shepherd's character. <laughs> so... I really wish I could watch that show. <laughs> it was so good, dude. It just seems like, man, like one of the biggest stars in the world, and we can't get it streaming anywhere. I know. I one know. of like the most famous actresses of that time, too. Like Civil Shepherd was like Civil Shepherd was pretty big, man. She, she was, was really big. She was very big driver. at them. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she was went from t- movie, and then that was part of the appeal. She went from movies to TV, and it was like, oh my gosh, this is a big deal show. Um, so now we enter the in between of 1987. Bruce is just doing moonlighting. He's doing the singing on the Seagram's commercial. He's just getting started in Hollywood, and he decides he's gonna go and make a blues album. So he reaches out to Motown Records. They're like, sure. 
and Bruno Randolini is born. Uh, and it's a, you know, it's the, it's a New Jersey rocker per- persona. Accompanying this was a HBO special that aired in 1987. And it's a mockumentary. <laughs> and it's, it, it has like Elton John, Ringo, Brian Wilson, all these people on their, they're all like, oh, uh, Bon Jovi. We're like, oh, man, if it had been for Bruno, uh, uh, you know, coming to me and helping me write this song, um, I never would have made this album, you know, like super really funny. Uh, uh, for example, uh, one of them is Kiss. They're interviewing Paul Stanley, and they're like, we weren't sure what to do with our get-ups. And then Bruno came around and was like, hey, why don't you guys wear makeup? <laughs> and it was like the force gump of rock exactly and apparently it was bruno's idea to make woodstock free like a woodstock wouldn't have been free if it wasn't for bruno um so sorry uh in the background um so yeah that's what was going on there so it was it was very lighthearted, but i really think this was something that Bruce Willis was really looking for, and he did have some success. Um, it reached number 14 in the U.S. billboards. In the U.K., it was in the top 10 for um, eight weeks and in the top 40 for 21 weeks. Um, the song Respect Yourself rose to number five in the U.S., number seven in the U.K. And the it was... Uh, a lot of people don't realize that that's June uh, Pointer of the Pointer Sisters singing with them on that. Uh, because, again, it was a Motown effort. So they were, you know, that's why he also was able to do things like Under the Boardwalk and that type of thing. Um, so that's kind of the story of where that happened. Uh, so let's dig into it. Uh, Joe, let's just go track by track. It's not a very long album. Oh, it uh, felt like it was six. Oh. It did. It, I'm not going to lie. It, it felt did. a lot longer than it was. Cause, uh, so <clears throat> Paul, this, this mute, this album sounds like it's straight out of legends bar on blues night. Mm-hmm. And for I, people yes. who are listening, there's a bar in St. Cloud <laughs> that's built into a holiday inn. <laughs> God, we sound like podunks. Um, I know, I know, I know, uh, I know we do. I know we do. And every, what was it? Wednesday night. Uh, Wednesday night was blues night. Wednesday night, they'd have blues night. Yep. And it'd be the whitest, <laughs> Germanist, <laughs> Catholicist people <laughs> playing what sounds exactly like the return of Bruno. And mm-hmm. it, it was just the worst blues music you would ever hear. And people who would be really into blues music in St. Cloud would come to a, the store I worked at CD Warehouse and they'd love blues music. And one guy told me he loves the blues, but with one caveat, he only likes white people blues. Oh, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, and, uh, so yeah. I'm listening to this, and I'm like, this is St. Cloud blues. Yeah. <laughs> this, is um, Cloud. this is Plastic Soul. Uh, plastic Soul is what uh, black R&B artists described the Rolling Stones in the 60s. Oh, hilarious. That's where uh, McCartney got the idea for Rubber Soul. <laughs> genius yeah so this is plastic soul i would say uh, uh 
Yes. Uh, there is something perfectly fine if this is Bruce Willis at a, like some dive bar with his buddies. It's not like my thing, and now I had to listen to this fucking review, and I'm, I'm just like I was having flashbacks of Legends, just being like gobsmacked by how awful, how awful those blues bands were. So well, let's um, okay. There to me, there is something a little disingenuous, very much so, of a guy who is as a five million dollar uh contract for a fucking wine cooler commercial and is making millions of dollars on um a TV show uh and then coming out and singing the blues. Now that bothered me, but then I started these are really blues songs though. Some are, some aren't. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, so what's interesting is, is that really none of these are truly original these are, songs. These are all R&B. A lot of them are covers. Yep. A lot of them are covers. And it's interesting to me in terms of kind of how it was, because um, like coming right up, uh, that one is. Um, Brock Walsh, which was written for basically this album. And that's about a guy that's, you know, but I mean, this one, I actually was somewhat believable in terms of what Bruce was, was, was singing in it. Uh, if you call it that, um, <laughs> okay, let me, Bruce Willis for me is not the, the major problem of this album. <laughs> like his voice is perfectly adequate for what he's trying to do. It's the production and the mm-hmm. instrumentation because it's so fucking 80s yes it's like this is like borderline a phil collins album with <laughs> with bruce willis singing over it you know the the, the production of it is it is a big problem i that i yeah it's doesn't have that you know one of the things with the blues it should be kind of gritty it should be kind of dirty the whole idea is that you know, it, it should never be clean. Uh, blues should never, ever, 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 don't, don't ever, ever be clean. Don't ever say that in Legends Bar and Santa Claus. I know, dude. I, I don't even think that bar exists anymore. Thank God. Um, but no, you're right. I mean, but that's what people, you know. But blues should never, ever, 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 ever be clean. Um, lyrically, in terms of it, I look. We've all. I think you have. Any one of us that that kind of do are into movies or things like this. We've all heard kind of the stories of the guys that are busting tables, trying to get that break. You know, trying to do whatever they can to get attention of the Hollywood producer or whatever. So this, you know, this one to me, like it wasn't disingenuous in terms of what was the lyrical content of it. I was like, you know what, I could totally. Yeah, I could totally see this is maybe something that Bruce actually dealt with when he first got into Hollywood, when he was being an unaccredited um, background actor in in the in in 1980 and 1981. Like totally. Yeah, I can... well, ironically, Bruce Willis isn't the problem with this album. For Vanity Project, it, it's all on his shoulders. He is not the major issue I have with this album. No, it's the backing band. It's really it's the, the backing, backing band. band. It's the production. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the choice of things that they used. You know, like, again, <laughs> it was getting to that point even in 1987 where people were getting burned out of the saxophone. Like, stop. Like, stop. Um, and then we move into the cover, Respect Yourself. 
um, originally done by uh, the Staple Singers. Um, it's fine. Uh, I mean, I'd rather was... be listening to the Staple Singers, man. Like again, yeah. it's like it's not. Here's the thing: you can tell Bruce Willis really likes this music. Yes, you can. So his enthusiasm carries it in yep. a sense. It's the it's the backup music. It's the production. It's just so white bread for yeah. a Motown album, which is shocking. It it very much. I feel like they overcorrected, maybe in a way like, okay, we got to give this white boy some white background music. That's what I think it was. Yeah, I I know, I know. That's yeah. I really think it was the same they thing. Put a, I think it would have been a lot better if they just did traditional R and B background. I think it would have sit better with me. Yeah, I com- completely agree with you, sir. A million percent. Um, Down in Hollywood, I actually, this is one of the few songs that I did like. Uh, it didn't bother me that much. And I and I, I, I like the original more, obviously. But I felt Bruce did a decent job with it. Again, the production is the problem. <laughs> yeah, again, Down- Bruce is not the problem. <laughs> no. Young Blood is just a problematic song in general. Also, <laughs> <laughs> <so>, Paul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like this song is just, and honestly, I hate this one so much that I just skipped it. Like after <laughs> listening to it the first time, I was like, I, I know Young Blood. I don't need to hear it again. Yeah, not a song. I mean, and again, even in 1980s, I mean, the song is a is an old song by the Coasters, and um, <laughs> even 30 years later. It wasn't problematic yet, uh, which is a problem. <laughs> um, Under the Boardwalk. Which is a classic song. Classic song. This sounds like a bad stripped-down karaoke version yeah. of it. I um, thought you were say a bad strip club version of it, and I bet that's right, too. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, it just, you know, it sounds like it's just... It, 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 it sounded like a prom version. Like, um, remember, <laughs> was Sherry O'Terry and when, when Will Ferrell, that would sit yeah, there. The, the, the singers? Yes. Yes. It was like that version of it with the keyboard. And But here's the thing. Of all the songs, Bruce sounds really good on this song. Yeah, he's like, that's what I like. like he, at least his vocals, like, as much as they can be somewhat generic, but that's kind of like... He's not a singer by trade. Mm-hmm. Like he just, he's all right at it. But like he's hitting like some of those falsetto notes. Like yep. You can tell he really likes this music. And yes. again, it's that enthusiasm that makes me not hate this album 100%. Like it knocks it down to 80%. The 20% of his enthusiasm carrying it like gives me a little respect for it. 100%. And again, his singing on this song is good. He's really good. Like under the boardwalk, he should have gotten more attention for this because it's really good. Um, but again, like every time I hear under the boardwalk, I think of that scene. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Where <laughs> Charlie's wondering about the magic of under the boardwalk. <laughs> and they go in there and he sees two homeless guys fucking each other. Yep. Yep. Nothing magical about this. <laughs> Then we get Secret Agent. I hate the second song. I hated the original. I hated everything about it. You just can't make this song any good. And it's so Secret Agent, man. Secret Agent, man. It's just, yeah, it's such a really bad version of it. There's um, no version of Secret Agent, man. 
What's that? I don't like Secret Agent Man. I don't think there's a good version of it. It's just one of those songs, no matter what. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a bad song. It's going to be a bad song. It's going to be a bad song. Um, next week, get Bruno's Bop. Jackpot. Jackpot. Hello. Uh, <laughs> hello. Uh, yeah, written. Talk about written. this in the documentary since it's got his name on it. This is this inspires Sergeant Pepper's Paul. <laughs> this is the only song on the album where um, Bruce Willis is credited as a writer on it. Um, not the most medious thing, huh? <laughs> um, you know, yeah. Okay, let's just go through. I mean. Grandpa always gave me good advice. A fine-looking woman is like a pair of dice. When she flashes her snake eyes, you got to pay the price. I'm all grown up. The game is going my way. Grandpa's good advice still holds today. Hey, when I get frisky, I got to play. Why not? I'm hot. Jackpot tonight. It just sounds like his grandfather's advice is like a good woman is a stripper. Yeah, kind of. Kind (laughs) of. I think Grandpa. I think Grandpa liked the strip clubs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to kink shame Grandpa, but he gave his grandson some questionable advice. I, I think. I think. I think Grandmama might have been a might have been a floozy back in the day. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, there's just nothing to it. It's like combine. You know, it's that, and again, it's like a crooner thing, um, making casino gambling references out of sex. It's just yeah, yeah. yeah it's kind of. Um, it's been done to death. It's been done to death. Uh, then you got fun time. Look, no one. Okay, Joe Crocker is the king of covers. You don't cover Joe Crocker. <laughs> oh, yeah, Joe Crocker made a Ringo song good. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me put it this way: Crocker covers you. You don't cover Crocker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is a good solid rule of thumb. You do not cover Joe Cocker. Joe Cocker covers you. Yes, that's the rules, ladies and gentlemen. Stick by Bruno them. broke the freaking rules. Bruno, you son of a bitch. You're as bad as Gilmer. Goddamn Gilmer. <laughs> Goddamn Gilmer and Bruno. His paws aren't all over this album. Uh, they, I'm sure he wishes they were. Oh no, he was too busy getting coke, follow coke. up the momentary lapse. Of <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, this is the time he's working on that one. Uh, then we got fun time. Oh, sorry, I skipped that one. Then we got lose, um, lose myself, um, which is I think original written for this album. Um, these last two songs, lose myself and flirting with disasters. You know. Okay, we just said you don't cover Joe Cocker. Joe Cocker covers you. Pick a different cover and pick three and pick two more covers. Um, because I just not good. And I, I I think. Yeah, this is when I'm struggling to get past the finish line with this album. Like, Yeah, it's hard. It, it, trust me. I, I mean, we had three weeks. I've listened to this album way more than I should have. And in all honesty, I ended up actually liking, you know, it got to the point where I was like, okay, respect yourself down in Hollywood and under the boardwalk aren't bad in comparison to everything else that's going on this album. Well, but you know then, what that's called, right? Uh, Stockholm syndrome. Stockholm syndrome. I Stockholm my syndrome myself on this album because again, you know, I drive around for work, so here I am listing this thing, and you know, there's some places I got two hours in between where I'm gonna go. So what the fuck? I'm gonna listen to the album a couple times, so I got it down, 
And I was like, oh, man, this is a bad. And then, you know, once I got away from it, I started playing other music. I was like, oh, right. Comparatively. (laughs) Wait a minute. There's other music out there. Son of a bitch. Um, So, yeah, Lose Myself and Flirting with Disaster are just uh, rough (laughs) Yeah, they're not good. They uh, No. I mean, this this album was already rough to listen to. Mm -hmm. It's like... I, for some reason, these four-minute songs just felt like it took like a decade, man. Oh, they do. Now, I had kind of teased a little bit that this album was one of the reasons that got me into um, artists. Vanity actors. projects. Yeah, you know, well, actors that do music things. Because I remember walking through the electric fetus and seeing this there. And I saw Bruce Willis and I was like, what the fuck is this? And like, I got him like. Fucking Bruce Willis is putting out music, and I I don't remember it was a long time ago before you and um uh our, our buddy Dan worked there. Um, I I asked the guy, and I'm like, "What the hell is this?" He's like, "Oh yeah," I'm like, "You I I was so naive," and the guy's like, "Oh yeah, artists like there's a whole bunch of stuff where actors you know." And then he told me about Shatner, and I was like, "Son <laughs> of a bitch!" Yeah. Like. We were growing up, actors acted, singers sang. Like, there wasn't really crossover. At least, I never thought of it until I was stupidly old enough. But Yeah. So, like, that blew my brain. So, that, like, became this thing. and Because it was bad. And I think this really opened my, my third eye, as it were, or my mind, to why I enjoy bad movies. Why I can enjoy... You know, something that's so bad, it's entertaining. And to me, it's so bad, it's entertaining. With this one, unfortunately, there's this weird juxtaposition that we've talked numerous times about is Bruce Willis's enthusiasm and voice on it does not match the packing band's enthusiasm. And and, there is no enthusiasm from the backing deck. No, there's no soul. There's no soul from the music. It 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 plays soul. It it fakes soul, but you hear it and it feels overly produced. And that's the worst thing you could ever do on a blues album. And that's really not Bruce's fault. Bruce was not uh a musical artist in the you know he'd been trying to get into hollywood he sure he sang on some commercials but that's all he knew he didn't know production he didn't know whatever so he's going off what everyone else is telling him to do uh, so i don't necessarily blame his because i guarantee he was just excited to be in the studio singing this, these covers that he probably loved and kind of going down and being like oh man i'm doing this music thing and he probably didn't understand, you know, what it was missing. And that is where his fault is because he should have listened and went, this doesn't sound like real blues, guys. Like, this give- doesn't sound good. <laughs> yeah, he should have said, give me some real blues. Okay. Or get some real R&B in here, you know, like. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, like, you know, res- respect yourself or, you know, like this is <laughs> these deed like that classic sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're 100%. making it all modern, making it sound like Chuckle Town now. Um, so let's talk about reviews. Uh, the album <laughs> mixed 
People Magazine gave it a B plus because it's People Magazine. (laughs) They would give Mein Kampf a a B plus, Paul. Sure they would. Uh, Calling Willis' covers of Under the Boardwalk surprisingly okay. That is the quote. For For a B B plus plus album, surprisingly okay. (laughs) Surprisingly okay. Noting that the album, quote, shows us that he, Willis, can't shout sing songs um, quite as well as Don Johnson. So Springsteen, he ain't funny. He is end quote for a Don Johnson solo album, which featured Stevie Ray Vaughan. Stevie Ray. Oh, we're going to get to Don Johnson's solo album at one point, sir. Uh, heartbeat. I'm looking for a fucking heartbeat, buddy. Um, all the music observes that quote, Willis doesn't have the conviction or skill of the Blues Brothers. No shit. Thanks yeah, for it's not his wheelhouse. It's uh, not also show. like, Belushi had a natural talent to sing blues. Mm-hmm. That was all instinct. Because he, uh, he was as a genre of music John Belushi didn't even like. Yep. He was yep. a punk rocker. He, loved he was punk a punk rock. rocker. He got fear. On Saturday yeah. Night Live. Yeah, he got fear on Saturday Night Live, which almost cost him his job, by the yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> that almost got him shaking. <laughs> um, yeah, no, um, funny story. So I worked at a company. Uh, Under the very, boardwalk? Very, very recently, where the owner worked for Saturday Night Live. Back during the first couple of seasons as a cameraman. Um, And I asked him when I met him, I was very intimidated, but I'd asked him, I said, look, I got to ask you, uh, because one of his, he was talking about one of his favorite bands was Elvis Elvis Costello. So I said, how is it that a guy that worked at Saturday Night Live has a favorite band from a guy that's not allowed to be back on the show? (laughs) (laughs) And that opened up this whole door. He was like, oh my God, okay, you're someone that gets it. And he told me the story about how it was crazy that John and Dan Aykroyd were were living characters at that, like they were the blues brothers at that time and that they would have an after party. And then if you were cool, you'd go to the after, after party. And then if you were really cool, you went to the after, after, after party, which was this bar that John and um, Dan owned that uh, you would go to and they lock everyone in for the night. And they wouldn't open it again until 10 in the morning. And he's like, and you would sit there and they would sing and they would play their, they play music and they were fucking, you know, do all this shit. And he, out of their and, minds like, on Coke. Out of their minds on Coke. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And this was something that they did every Saturday night was after the show. They do this after, after, after party and it'd be, be them fucking just, you know, bringing down the house and it wouldn't just be blues music. It would be all sorts of music as you brought up. And he said the same thing to me. He said, Hey, John didn't even like the blues. He was just really good at it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, That's everything I read. He didn't like it, but like he was such a natural vocalist Mm. for it. Yeah. Yeah. I would be interested to hear him do punk music too. Oh, that'd be brilliant. That would have been amazing. That would have been absolutely amazing. Um, So there we go. 
um, you know, it, it really was like one of the, it, it was a gold record album. Um, you know, it's sold enough to do that. Um, it, it did peak. Um, it was a, a big hit, um, the biggest hit for a white artist with Motown. Um, and at least at that time, up to that time. And um, it did have a follow-up album, uh, which I think was, in my opinion, I did listen to it. I think it's actually a little better. Unfortunately, I think the damage was done, and he that was he was done. It came out two years later, in 1989, and by that time, uh, it didn't do very well, and he was had already done um, die, uh, die Hard by this point, and he was ready to go. And that album is called If It Don't Kill You, It Just Makes You Stronger. And um, had a lot of Nietzsche quotes. So, <laughs> oh. so <laughs> there you go. Um, so, Joe, would you recommend the album? No. No, 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 no. Just, uh, uh, it's just no. Uh, he's a great actor. He's a pretty decent singer, but this album is not good. No, it's not a good album. Mm, I have to agree. No. Um, you know, I mean, if you're curious of it out there, it's, it's a curio um, for sure. And here's the thing. I'm not even going to harp on the guy because, you know, we sometimes talk about Vanity Project, you know, things like that that are just like, like you know. Um, here's the thing. This is a guy who went out was in 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 the 80s he was doing literally unaccredited background actor work uh maybe getting a hundred dollars fifty dollars i mean back in that time probably getting 25 to 50 dollars a day made his money as a bartender yep yep made his money as a bartender um th this is just really bruce bruce willis is like a story of what you can do in America if you really push it like this, like when people talk about like being able to achieve your dreams and do these things, it really should be using Bruce Willis as the example. This yeah, is a, guy more who, a realistic Horatio Alger story than actual Horatio Algers. A hundred, a hundred percent. This is a guy who went out. He went to Hollywood. He, you know, bus tables and bartended. He broke into the thing. He decided he was going to make an album. He decided he was going to go from comedy and try drama and action. And, you know, really just through sheer will did these things. And a little and, bit of talent. <laughs> and, I mean, he had the talent. I mean, that's the difference, yeah, the right? Talent. That's the thing that's the natural, always. He had the natural talent, the natural mm -hmm. charisma. You know, he, he had things working in his favor, too. I do think in another life, if he hadn't had gotten um, Die Hard and whatnot, I do think in another life or an alternate timeline, he could have been an accomplished uh, musician. I, I think so. if he had... I think if he had found himself a, a the right producer, uh, the right backing, um, you know, backing uh, group and an actual like working with a team of musicians writing music, mm -hmm. I think he could have been very successful uh, with it. I do think he had the talent for it. Yeah. Yes. But that said, I can't recommend the album. Yeah. No, this album's horseshit. Yeah. <laughs> First time. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I mean, you know, for everything that's been done, um, you know, uh, I, I, again, I have to 
just say, you know, it's it, you know, it, Bruce was a guy that we grew up with. He's yeah. one of I, I, for me, he was one of my people I looked up to in terms of like you know movies and that type of thing. Not that I thought he was like a oh my gosh, he was an idol or anything like that, but he was just a, one of those people that he was in movies I liked. Yep. Uh, a lot of movies I liked. Um, and he seemed like a guy who had a good sense of humor about things. And, you know, it's just, it's always hard, I think, for our generation or any generation, really, when you start to see the people that just came before us and now they're starting to go and we're going, shit, our turn's next. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. like, you know, the mortality is, is, is there in our faces. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, especially like when uh, we discuss uh, uh, Lanigan, like mm-hmm. now you know Gen X, we're right around the corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like oh <laughs> shit, millennials are hitting that. Mm-hmm. Fuck, man, we're hitting that. So that all being said, Joe, what do you got going on with the Joe Down? Uh, we're, st- we're finally getting our shit together. We're going to do Mash at some point next week. Then we're jumping into Sports Month. Let me see what we got up. Oh, shit. I love Sports I Month. Love, I love Sports Month, too. We discussed it uh, the other the other night after work. So let me see here. Because I pick, we have some solid ones here. Uh, Brown is picking for Love of the Game. Oh, and, boy. And Sudden Death. John claude Van Damme. Yep. Oh, I know Sudden Death. I love Sudden my, Death. My picks... Our Air Bud <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Invincible. Oh, very the nice. Mark movie. <laughs> yep. Oh, yes. Very interesting. Uh, you guys I'm ex- are. You- I'm excited for Air Bud myself. <laughs> God, Airbud, and they made like five of those movies too. Dude. Oh yeah, so you got a you got a well. <laughs> you got a well to dip in, new buddy. <laughs> oh, the Invincible just—that's going to be great, just because there's a whole episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. This is because of Invincible came out, so like the Philadelphia Eagles rolling tryouts for amateurs because oh, they God. got bullied into it by Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And at one point, they're like, they bring in this. Here's Donovan McNabb, and it's the actor who played Alvin on the Cosby Show. And they point it out, and the coach is like, "That's not Alvin from the Cosby Show." <laughs> it was literally the actor who played Alvin on the Cosby Kobe, Show. That's fantastic. Pulls up in a Honda Civic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, real quick, I'm gonna just gonna dip into the well that is uh, Airbud for you. You got Airbud, Airbud Golden Retriever, Airbud World Pup, Airbud Seventh Inning Fetch, and Airbud Spikes Back. Uh, you can probably tell which each sports one that is with. And then you have the Air Buddies series, focusing on the puppies, uh, Air Buddies, Snow Buddies, Space Buddies. Because they go to space. Because uh, somehow they go to a space museum and accidentally rock on the board of a rocket ship. Because that's a thing that happens at space museums that you go to. Santa buddies, spooky buddies, treasure buddies, super buddies. The search for Santa Paws and Santa Paws 2, which are considered prequels to Santa buddies. So there you go. You guys got a well, sir. You picked something yeah. great. We're going with the original. Yeah. Um, 
Airbud. 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 Well, you're a parent. You've probably seen these. I've never had no, any reason to see No, Air no, <laughs> fuck you. No, I have not, sir. <laughs> yeah, you have. Yeah. Paul nope. Paul watches all these bad kids movies. I have not. Actually, I have not. I have never seen. Uh huh. Yeah. I have, I have never seen. <laughs> Paul's hiding his air bud shame right now. No, I, you know, I would tell you if I did. Um, I have not. Uh, it's just, no, it's. Uh, it's a dog my, and he plays basketball, Paul. What are you missing? <laughs> even my kids, like, I, I, I honestly, I have offered it to them. Like, hey, you guys. Because I thought, okay, they'll enjoy seeing a dog run around do stupid. Even they are, they're like, no, dad. <laughs> Even no. your kids have their limits. Even my kids have their limits, and apparently, dogs playing sports is one of those limits. Oh. So that's just good parenting in my book. All right, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Joe. What are we? What are we doing next week, sir? Oh, Paul. Oh, Paul. I know. We're going I back know. in the muck. We're going oh, back in the muck. <laughs> oh God. It's not the wheel of shit. You're going to wish it was, though. Uh, I'm going to give you a choice between A and B. I think I chose B-side last time, so give me the asshole. Oh, Paul. I was hoping <laughs> you would pick this one. <laughs> both of these albums are by artists, and both are huge misdirects, <laughs> bad choices. And you picked the one that had some of the worst bad choices on it. Uh, we're going with Sometime in New York by John Lennon. Oh, no. <laughs> Where he oh. drops the N-word a oh. lot. Oh. oh, no. Oh, no. No. No, no. I've heard of this. I've avoided it. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, John and Yoko, Paul. Oh God! Beatles territory again, but we'll never pick a Beatles album. Oh God! Oh yeah, look at that track list, Paul. Look it up real quick. I'm I'm looking at it. Oh God! Track number one, Paul. Hang on, hang on, hang on. What's the okay? Hang on, I got. It's not pulling up. Hang on, let me go to my YouTube music. All right, what is what is the what is the actual title title called? Sometime in New York. Okay, hang on, hang on. Hang on. Uh, okay, hang on. Uh, Sometime in New York City, Paul. I'm looking here. Let's see if it's there. Let's see if it's there. If anything, I can YouTube it, but. Okay, it's there. Let's look at this track listing, huh? Oh, God. <laughs> this is, oh. oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, we're so canceled. <laughs> Don't worry. The live part is with Frank Zappa. So there's something wrong with it, Paul. Oh. John and Yoko and Frank Zappa. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Boy, yeah. These these were oh God. How do you do cold turkey live? Like, <laughs> like you need to be going through withdrawals. <laughs> oh god damn it. Yeah, you want to know what the other pick was gonna be? You what wanna know what the... side B was, Paul? What side B? Side B was if you would have picked B, we would have been doing Kilroy was here by sticks. Oh damn it! I would have Love that. Uh, I've actually listened to that album. 
Um, yeah. You picked asshole, Paul. I picked That's asshole. That's what happens when you pick asshole. That's what happens when I picked asshole. Um, yeah, Kilroy was here. That's such a great album. Um, Considered a best director originally when it came out, though, Paul. Broke up the band. Uh, yeah, which was crazy. It's it's uh, yeah. We're gonna have to do that one at some point because Brown Brown has asked me to do it, and I just keep telling him no. Oh, dude, yeah, <laughs> so we'll get him on there if, if we do. Kilroy was here. Yeah, hundred percent. Because I, I I yeah, I actually enjoy it. <laughs> so, but no, no, we're getting Lennon dropping end bombs and Yoko screaming. I don't know if you've seen the Get Back documentary, but. It always takes a nosedive when she starts starts yeah. her howling. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 We're in for the. So we got shit. questionable lyrics. Yoko screaming. John Lennon's confused politics. God damn it! And it's an hour. And Oh, what did I do to us? Don't worry. It's a, it's it's a quick hour and a half. Don't worry, that Kyoko. What's that? 16 minute long song, Don't Worry, Kyoko. I imagine <laughs> this going to have a lot of Yoko screeching on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> this might be our most challenging yet. Oh, oh, oh I don't know. If I, if, dude. So I worked with a guy that used to. We worked at. A, we 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 hated this job. We all fucking hated this job that we had. And this one guy, he was like just the happiest fucking dude. And I asked him. I said, "Dude," I said, he was just really nice old black guy. And um, I was like, "How the fuck do you stay so positive? This job fucking sucks." He goes, "Man," he goes, "I used to work at a fucking junkyard," and he's like. We all had to take turn with the stick. I'm like, what the fuck do you mean? Take turn with the stick. He goes, everyone at one point, we had to burn some of the trash. So you have this, this molten pit and you throw all this trash in there. And he goes, the smell was unbelievable. He said, so anytime I think things are, um, I think once, once things are, um, once I think things are going really bad, he goes, I just go back to thinking about the stick. So I'm going to use this as my wisdom. And when I'm having problems with this album, I'm just going to think of Pat Boone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This might become your stick, too, Paul. <laughs> it become my stick. Yeesh. All right. Fuck my life. <laughs> You picked asshole, Paul. Never pick asshole. Never pick asshole, Joe. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, oh. Joe, <laughs> Joe do, do, do you want to take us out? No. <laughs> this has been Rate That Album with Paul Muadib and Joe Fremming. Thank you for listening. <laughs>